So, John, if you could be murdered in some way, but you've got to live with that way you've been murdered for the rest of eternity, what would mm. you choose? What would you have done to you? Mm. Nothing too physical, I don't think. I mm. mean, that's where these ladies went wrong. Mm. So, I don't know, maybe something with few physical signs? Maybe. What if I'd, like, took a huge overdose of amazing drugs? Would I still be high when I came to? Or would I just be constantly, like, loopy? Because that'd be quite fun. Yeah, I've assume that you wouldn't die. You'd just be higher than anybody ever could be. Mm-hmm. I could live with that. Do you think? You've been high before. Was it a good time? <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to be like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was... <laughs> no, you make a good point. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Drown me then. I don't know. Drown you? Well, there's no physical signs, particularly. Oh, but you'd have to get me out before I bloated, though. Before you bloated? Bloated. You know, because when people drown in water, they bloat because the skin gets all wet. I don't want, I don't want to be walking around <laughs> like some soggy, bloated zombie forever. <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> All right, I'll do my best. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really, how? How bad could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And this week we're doing Death Becomes Her. Yes, we are. This was your choice, John. It absolutely was. I'm guessing you hadn't seen this before. No, I'd not. Okay, well what was your impression? Uh, well, I didn't know anything about what this film was until going into it. Good. Before going into it. I think I had been told that Meryl was in it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the first half of it was kind of what I expected. I didn't really know where it was going fully. From the title, I was expecting some kind of horror, and I was like, well, I thought we had like a quite serious film streak recently, other than one or two, but I know we had quite a few in a row that were quite dark. Yeah. But then, no, the film does take a turn halfway through. Well, it's a slow turn, Mm -hmm. I thought, because there wasn't just suddenly one moment where it becomes ridiculous. I guess the first moment was when you meet Isabella Rossellini's character. Sure, yes. For the first time. I was like, (laughs) This doesn't feel like the same movie. This doesn't feel... This is weird. I'm sure we're going to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> and then I think the moment after that that really sort of stuck it out for me was when Meryl falls down the stairs. Yes. And the stairs are just a bit longer than they actually <laughs> Yeah, she falls down those stairs for a while, doesn't she? Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's the point where I was like, all right, was that a deliberate thing in the film? Like, it feels deliberate, but it just doesn't feel like it matches this film. And then... From then onwards, I think from the point where Bruce Willis is then on the phone and you see her very clearly in the background, I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, from there, it's great. That happens like an hour into the film. So it took you that long to realise it was a comedy. I mean, without knowing what this film's about, how mm-hmm. can you predict any of that? No, sure. But I mean, you said you thought it was going to take a serious turn. And I think I'm glad you went into this not knowing what was well, going on. Well, I wasn't sure if it was a good film or not. Uh, sure. Okay. And what's your conclusion? I, I, inconclusive. Inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I absolutely adore this film. It Clearly. is. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this many times before. What I normally do, it's been a while since I've watched it. What I usually do for films we watch in this show, if I've got time, is I watch the film once just to watch it. And then if I've got time, I watch it a second time and take notes and kind of think about things I want to talk about on the show, like look out for particular funny moments, drinking games, etc. Mm-hmm. If I've got time, I don't always... This time, I mean, we've had a little longer because you've been on holiday, but I have watched this film from start to finish 
five times in the past week. <laughs> five times? Five times. And I've seen it before. That wasn't my first time ever. Like, oh, my God. I just find this film endlessly rewatchable and just... Ju- this film is like homosexual catnip. Like it's, <laughs> it's so camp and so silly and so funny. I mean, to compare it to like Sausage Party last week, <laughs> that was like a film that had one joke, mm-hmm. or maybe two, if you kind. And it was very kind of loose and kind of... One of the jokes being swear words. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. The jokes are swear words, sex, and talking vegetables. You know? mm-hmm. Whereas this film, what I love about this film is that every single scene has a good joke. <laughs> it's so tight. Like There's mm-hmm. so many little jokes that could easily just pass you by Mm -hmm. but every single scene has something funny going on that is just tightly scripted there'll either be a funny line I mean there's so many quotes in this film I've written down like 20 lines that make me laugh out loud I won't go through them all Mm -hmm. but just it's just so well done like there's nothing to it like it is a very silly film Mm -hmm. the characters are incredibly two dimensional but it doesn't matter because it's just so much fun Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was really excited. I can't believe it's taken me like 80 episodes for us to get to this. I should have done this a long time ago. But I felt like the time was right. It does seem weird that you waited this long to get to this Yeah, point. I don't know why. I'd forgotten just how much I enjoy it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We have to bury her in Death Valley and be done with her once and for all. please, you have to listen I'm to me. Waffle, she deserves it. She was a homewrecker. She was a man-eater. And she was a bad actress. Madeline is not ready to be buried yet. She's upstairs, resting peacefully. Oh, fine. Oh, if she's not dead, you tell her to come down here. You tell her to come down here, walk right up to me, and kiss me on the... Kiss you on the what? Mad? Hell. So Meryl Streep in this film plays a... Actress. An actress. A seemingly a very successful actress, actress at some point. Despite a lot of people calling her awful at the start. Yeah. Well, it's. I don't think she's supposed to be a good actress. And that's. it's really fun watching Meryl Streep play a bad actress, mm-hmm. which I know f- quite a few scenes in this she's doing. Mm-hmm. But at some point, she's obviously been very successful, because presumably, because she's very rich. Mm-hmm. But we start the film, and she's in this god-awful musical, and it opens with this musical number. Yeah. What did you think? Well, at the start, because it does open that, doesn't it? And so I was yeah. Trying- or did you think it might be a full musical? I thought, oh God, John's picked another musical, hasn't he? Oh dear, here we go. I would have watched two hours of this. <laughs> that musical, I mean, everyone in the crowd's walking out. I was like, yes, it looks like a train wreck. I would be eating it with a spoon. Like, I would be loving every second of that musical. It's not the worst musical intro I've ever seen. <laughs> it wasn't great. Like, there was just too much going on. That was the point, though. I know, yeah. I know. Drag queens have built their in- entire careers around this film, by the way. Yeah, it's so campy and silly. Like... The way she's styled on the, on this on the stage in the scene, I don't mean this as an insult. She looks like Miss Piggy, <laughs> like not in terms of like she's fat, but in terms of like she with the, like the feather boa and like the, the mermaid dress and the big blonde hair. It's very like it's so over the top and tacky. It is mm-hmm. like it's it's Muppet like it's Miss Piggy, and she's doing this hilarious song. And it's oh, I, I, I was just watching it then while you were on your idea and laughing all over again. Just like, <laughs> the sixth time this week. Like, just, <laughs> The bit where it goes all disco and all like, the gay men come out. Yeah. Like, the, the big gay men's chorus. It's like, ooh, ooh, do, 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 ooh, ooh. <laughs> And all the gay men in the back have got the exact same identical mullets. It's yeah. just brilliant. So yeah, but this musical we're supposed to understand is dreadful. And everyone's literally just walking out while she's doing it. Except mm-hmm. for we, then we pan over and it's Bruce and Goldie, mm-hmm. who are a couple. Uh, Matt, Helen and Ernest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get the first shot of uh, what is this movie's truly spectacular wig work like, <laughs> on both of them because like, mm-hmm. yeah, Bruce Willis 
did actually have hair at this point. Like, not all of it, mm-hmm. but... Like, he had a, he still had a fair head of hair. I'm trying to place it in the chronology of, like, Die Hard and... I think it might be between Die Hard 1 and 2. Did he have hair in Die Hard 1? He, yeah, in 1 he did. I mean, okay. receding, but it was there. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, that was a full wig he's wearing. Oh, God, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just the glasses and the moustache as well. It was like yeah. he was in disguise. Yeah. And I always like it when films try to make ridiculously beautiful people look unattractive and... What they do to poor Goldie. Like, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. That is a rough wig. Because, <laughs> like, the film, in the first half hour or something, like, it, there's a lot of time jumps. Yeah. A lot. It really does, yeah. And so, like, it jumps, like, seven years, and you see her, she's in this mental institute, mm-hmm. and she'll put on loads of weight. No, sorry. She's at home. Oh, yeah, that's not skips the mental institute yet, because yeah. that whole scene in her house does So, her special. house, when she's turned into crazy cat lady, mm. at which point I was wondering, like... I was thinking, that is too many cats. Not just because of the amount of cats and how much it must smell and, you know, food and all that. Like, they're making a racket. I can barely hear the TV that she's watching. <laughs> yeah. That's my main issue right there. <laughs> it's when she opens the cupboard and, and there's, there's another cat in there. <laughs> how did it get in there? <laughs> that must have taken some training to have that cat just, like, sit still long enough for it to, like, open the thing. It doesn't even like, just... it opens the cupboard and the cat doesn't even jump out at no, that it's point. Not even it just sort of <laughs> lies down, just like, oh, hi. <laughs> also, what is she eating? Uh, like... Ice cream? Because she gets it out of a cupboard. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. Melted ice cream? Like frosting or something? It's some kind of like sugar-based. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, Robert Zemeckis films were all about the special effects and like that fat suit. <laughs> that fat yeah. suit was off the chain. Like, like I was wondering, is she going to be in this for the whole film? Like that's that's going to get tiring to watch yeah. <laughs> if she's in that fat suit for the whole film. <laughs> um, but no, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she was, would she have stomached that shotgun shell? Oh, well, exactly. That would have been very different. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That scene would have played out very differently if mm. she'd kept the waist on, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Helen? We haven't heard from you in a while. Is there um, anything you'd like to t- talk about with the group? Yes. I would like to talk about Madeline Meryl steals Bruce, or they run away together, cut to seven years later, and Goldie has had a complete meltdown, has become a quintessential crazy cat lady, Mm -hmm. wearing this big fat suit, and obsessively re-watching a really hilarious looking film called Dark Windows, Mm -hmm. in which Meryl gets murdered. Yeah. (laughs) Did you notice Michael Caine was in that film? Michael Caine? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how they got I think they must have used like stock footage or something Mm. but oh it's so it's so funny and again Meryl playing a bad actress like her getting like really dramatically strangled Mm -hmm. Goldie gets hauled off to a mental asylum because she's had a complete breakdown and then there's that really funny scene I'm just gonna be reciting funny scenes (laughs) where the the therapist's like so Helen have you got anything you want to talk about today and she goes yes I'd like to talk about Madeline Ashton and all the other patients just start freaking out like no not again like every day she does this <laughs> yeah that was good uh, she plants the seed in Helen's mind that she, if she's ever going to get over this obsession she needs to eliminate Madeline oh, yeah. i.e. Helen and mm-hmm. so she takes this very literally uh, and then we cut to another seven years later I think do we? is that another? I think so so yeah now it's been like maybe 20 years I'm not sure mm. and a fair while then everyone's still looking Vaguely the same age, 
Apart from Meryl, who is intentionally looking a little bit like she's getting older. Well, no, they've done it with Bruce as well. To I mean, you don't see as much of him, but the whole point is that they're in this miserable, loveless marriage. Yeah. And she's trying to cling to her youth, but she's getting older and she's starting to look older. She's not working much anymore. In fact, apart from the musical at the beginning, she never works in this film. She's never actually a working actress after that first that scene. and the strangling film. That's, that's, yeah, but that's... that's yeah, it. that's, that's, that's all, all we see. Yeah, exactly. But that's I mean, she just seems like she, her career's over and it doesn't seem like she's that focused on that. And they get an invitation to visit Helen's book launch thing. Mm-hmm. And they've not, obviously not seen her in a few years. Mm-hmm. And then before she goes to that, she goes to the beauty clinic. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was like something out of Black Mirror, but funnier. It was also like something out of Charming and Chocolate Factory. Yes. Belt slash Oz. This is when I first noticed that every supporting character, even though there's like not many that have more than one scene, even the tiniest little characters have their own little jokes and their own little weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Jump with the girl with the ridiculously over-the-top French accent. Yes. <laughs> I am sorry, but a plasma separation is a very traumatic process to the body. Our policy clearly prohibits more than one in a six-month period. So, it's been nearly that long already. So Meryl wants some kind of plasma rejuvenation thing, which I don't know, is like having all the blood drained out of her body and put back in or something ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But you had that three weeks ago, Miss Ashton! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then when the guy comes in from behind her, mm-hmm. well, there's this guy with a weird funny eye. But as soon as he comes in, she drops the accent. Did you notice? Yeah, it? Yeah, and nobody yeah. acknowledges it. She goes no, from like, no. this ridiculous French accent to like being like just totally American. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. And then, yeah, there's this crazy like fey French guy. I think he's legit French. I don't know. With his weird, like, winky eye that he... Again, it's probably because he's had so much plastic surgery himself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, money's no object. I need to look younger and it's not nothing's working anymore. Makeup doesn't work anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And he says, well, if money's no object, you should visit Liesl von Rumor or whatever Isabel mm-hmm. Rosalie's character's called. He gives her a card and she kind of rips it up. And, and then she goes to... Her young lover, I guess. Oh, no, does that happen after... Does she meet Goldie first and then meet a young lover? No, no, she meets Goldie. She meets. She goes to the party first. Mm. And then we see new Goldie. Mm-hmm. And now Goldie's, like, totally transformed. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and she's just, like, really slim, and she's really beautiful, and mm-hmm. she's wearing this, like, amazing red dress. And, mm-hmm. and, and Bruce Willis falls for her at that point. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. So then... Well, he's already been in love with her before. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's like, oh, no, I'm, there's, there's nothing between us anymore. And then he gets very close to her quite quickly. Yeah. Meryl sees... Mm-hmm. Runs off to her uh, her young, young piece of meat on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> who is... Who really is just a piece of meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who is obviously very very clearly just banging somebody else that yes. night. Mm-hmm. I mean, he turns up at the door putting his trousers on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does get a great line. For, God, for Christ's sake, at least lie quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> and I liked it. So he dump, when he dumps her and then it just immediately starts raining. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this movie gets it. It's like it's winking at you the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it totally embraces its own silliness. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, oh, this is stupid. You're like, this is so stupid. Like, <laughs> there's a difference. There's definitely a difference. Well, yeah, so she has a really bad night. It's like her, her best frenemy, I guess, like mm-hmm. has reinvented herself and her mm-hmm. boy toys dumped her. And so she's driving down. She's crying. She's crying in the rain. And she looks herself in the mirror. And she screams because she looks awful. And then she, she spills all her handbag stuff. And then she finds the card with the address. And she goes mm-hmm. to this address. And then we get to Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. I didn't mean for us to have, like, two Isabella Rossellini films in such close... No, but no. But, yeah. So, what did you think of Isabella? Let's get to her servants first. Her servants, yeah. <laughs> they were lacking a piece of clothing. The 80s mulleted wrestlers. Well, I mean, I guess, if you're going to have people who look fantastic, you may as well 
Let them show off. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they were called Tom, Dick and Harry. Yeah, that, that was, was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of side boob in this scene. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of side boob. I mean, mostly from her, but also from them. Like, yes. Male and female side boob. Is just, this whole scene is just pecks and tits. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, Isabella, for me, she's just in... I don't actually know what happened in the scene. No. <laughs> she was just in full, like, panto villain mode for this film, I feel mm-hmm. like. She was just, like, camping it up to the max. Yeah, she's wearing this kind of, like... What's that called when you make your own jewellery? Like, is it, like, macrame or... Bad? Bad, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> but she's just wearing jewels. Like, her yeah. bra is jewels. It looked like it would really chafe the nipples. Like, yes, some it, mood, it looked very uncomfortable. Oh, and there's the dogs as well. That get the lift. Oh, yeah, lift. yeah. I'm quite disappointed, actually, that nobody said, Release the hounds! Because mm. they they all they looked like Monty Burns' hounds. They did, yeah. I think they're supposed to be like the Satan, the hell hounds, like the hounds mm. of hell, but yeah. And Meryl in this scene is, again, just the outfits in this film are so good. Like, she's wearing this kind of weird, like, juicy couture kind of jumpsuit kind of thing. She's got the headscarf on, and the, she looks terrible, but really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Isabella Rossellini tells her that she can grant her eternal youth, basically. She can stop the aging process. And Mel was like, yeah, whatever. Another one of my favourite moments, Isabella says, how old do you think I am? <laughs> and then Mel goes like, 38. <laughs> <laughs> 28, 23. <laughs> yeah. So how old would you guess I am? I wouldn't. Come on, don't try to flatter me. 38. Oh, 28. Three? 23. I am 71 years old. That's what it does. It stops the aging process dead in its tracks and forces it into retreat. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. One of the best special effects in the film, I think, mm. when she when she stabs her in the finger. Also, like Meryl's shriek at this Meryl's point. reaction. Yeah. That shriek is amazing. <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> And she puts the little uh, the, the little potion in her fingers, and then yeah, you see the close up of the two hands, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the hands like the, it's a really like liver spotted like old lady hand, and the other hand just like slowly like mm-hmm. becomes a young beautiful hand again, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and then Meryl's like, how much? So at that point, Isabella Rossellini had already given a price, and yes. Meryl was like, no, we can get lost. Yeah, and then she's like, okay, well, give me a hand, mm-hmm. and then she did that to her hand, and then Meryl's like, okay, yeah, and anything, but at that point, I'm thinking, well, partly because you want to look young again, but also you want your hands to match. <laughs> yeah. I thought that about Bruce at the end. Like, he's going to have yeah. non-matching hands. Yeah, all. and like that. What are we supposed to do with that? Yeah, Just one really great looking hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least do the other one. Yeah, sure. Just even out, yeah. One of my favourite little details about Meryl's character in this film is the way she was nothing bothered her that much. Mm-hmm. Like, she just seems so self-absorbed. She's literally in this magical situation and she's just kind of like, Fine, how much? Like, yeah. she, she's so underwhelmed. By oh, yeah, all. yeah. Like, she's just kind of like, oh, all right, you know, bottoms up. <laughs> so then she pays whatever the price is that we never find out. Mm. And she drinks the potion. And then Isabella's like, and now a warning. And then another one of my favourite memorized, now a warning? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, take care of your body because you'll be together for a long time. But while this is happening, we're also seeing Goldie has, even though she's now become like young and beautiful, she's basically still obsessed with just revenge on Meryl. That's all she wants. Because mm-hmm. she's, she's looking at herself in the mirror, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And it's f- covered in, like, Madeleine Ashton memorabilia oh, yeah. with all the eyes scratched out mm-hmm. and, like, never again written in blood red. And mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And then she goes to Bruce. She seduces Bruce. 
And then she basically tells him that um, the only way that they can be happy together is if they kill Meryl. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really enjoy about this film is that it's really well paced. Mm-hmm. I think another version of this film would have had like half an hour between Meryl getting the eternal youth and Meryl dying. Mm-hmm. You would have had her like enjoying being young and beautiful and everyone being like, oh my God, you look great. This film is like, no time for that. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to get straight to the murder. Because mm-hmm. she literally just comes home and gets murdered. Yeah. But it's done really well because it's like, Goldie's really riled Bruce up. She's like, you know, he's, she's killing you. She's she's a succubus. She's sucking you away. She's ruined your life and everything. And then she comes home feeling all fabulous because now she looks beautiful and stuff. And it just she just says all the wrong things. She picks a fight with him. The fight is amazing. Mm-hmm. Flaccid! <laughs> but yeah, they have this big fight at the, at the top of the stairs and she's just being horrible to him. Mm-hmm. And he just loses it. He starts strangling her. And then she almost falls down the stairs. <laughs> For, for a long time <laughs> she's like yeah there's a theme in this film of people like having amazing centres of gravity because mm-hmm. she's just at the top of the stairs just like whirling her arms like help me Ernest help me help me like, well I'm presuming that that's how high heels work sure I mean um, never test that theory but sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's at the top of the stairs and it's she's like come on help me you idiot and then he he looks and he kind of like pokes her and basically pushes her down the stairs mm-hmm. and the scene where she lands that first landing when she snaps her neck mm-hmm. Like every time I watch it, which establishes a lot, I, I gasp because it is really brutal. Mm-hmm. Was there any part of you at that point that thought, "Oh wow, they've killed Meryl. Like she's not coming back"? Uh, yeah, yeah, at that point, cause I thought that's what the film was all about was mm-hmm. about killing Meryl, and I was like, "Okay, well, that feels a bit soon. Let's mm-hmm. See how this how this plays out because yeah. there's clearly some more to this film." Yeah, and uh, yes, there was. It does. It certainly does. <laughs> you pushed me down the stairs. Yes. <laughs> That's one of my top five lines of this film. <laughs> the delivery. You pushed me down the stairs. <laughs> Madeline, look at yourself. Huh? Look at yourself! Ernest! My ass! I can see! My ass! <gasps> there is something really wrong with your neck, too. I would say so. I would frigging well say so. <laughs> what did you think of like the effect of the backwards neck? And it's really good. <laughs> it's I mean, it holds up pretty well. Like, won an Oscar. Yeah, it deserved. Des- yeah. I think yeah, this film won best costume and makeup, or was it, or special effects? Special effects. Special effects. Yeah, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. I think the special effects for the early nineties are so good because mm-hmm. her head is literally on backwards. Yeah, <laughs> it's the way she's walking around. Like you in trouble now, Buster. Like, mm. Jumping ahead a bit, I did really enjoy Meryl just in conversations. Her head would just keep drooping. That was, yeah. It was yeah. really good, because that's just Meryl doing it. There's no special effects on that. No, that's just, uh, yeah. I'm, stop it, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> he takes her to a doctor, because he, obviously he doesn't realise, neither of them realise that she's dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, she should be dead, but, well, they twist her neck back around, but mm-hmm. then all the bones are poking out, and it's oh, mm-hmm. gross. And they take her to the hospital. And it's Sidney Pollack playing the doctor. Mm-hmm. First, he pulls her wrist all the way back. And he's like, doesn't this hurt? And she's like, no, not really. And then he looks at her neck and he's like, whoa, Jesus Christ. And then he takes her pulse and there's no pulse. Her heart's not beating. Her temperature's like below a human should be. Mm-hmm. She's dead. And mm-hmm. really, she, she is in fact dead, but obviously she's conscious. Mm. I like how they get rid of the doctor really easily. It's like, oh, well, the doctor knows now. That's how, how are we going to write our way out of this situation? How's mm. he not going to tell everyone? Oh, he didn't have a heart attack. Yeah. He's going to die. <laughs> And then Bruce kind of goes running around trying to get a second opinion and we get lots of really weird, creepy hospital stuff that I enjoyed. 
like the floating nuns for no oh, reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's with that? Just, just a random scene of like it's like from The Shining or something. Like mm. there's just these nuns just like floating down the corridor. I assume it was just his imagination, doesn't it? Maybe. Yeah. And there's the tennis player who seems to have had a very serious injury. Oh yeah. <laughs> like all is both his elbows and his knees are just pouring with blood. Yeah. I don't know what that was in reference to, but I enjoyed it. No idea. <laughs> just random silly humor. Mm. While this has happened, Meryl has passed out from the shock of realizing she's dead. And then, so when Bruce goes back, she's been taken to the the morgue. <laughs> Because they've just found a corpse, basically. Mm-hmm. The morgue should be furious! <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That might be the best Bruce line, actually. Yeah. They think I'm dead! Yes! Okay. Yes! They think you're dead, but you're not dead! In the whole of recorded medical history, this has never happened to another single human being. Yes, so why did it have to happen to me? Do you know what you are, darling? <laughs> you're a sign. You're an omen. You're a burning bush. I am? Of course you are. We're being told that we belong together. And I'm being called. I'm being challenged. Don't you see, Madeline? It's a miracle! Then he takes her home again. But while this is happening, Goldie is spying on them. And Goldie's spying beret? (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about this. So she's wearing all black, including the beret. And... Why? When she's got the blondest hair in the world. Because <laughs> it's a good, fabulous look. Like, she's dressed for the occasion. She's dressed for the she job has, she wants. She has. She dressed, yeah. But she should have put her hair away. Maybe, And yeah. she should have probably darkened her face as well. What, like blackface? Well, not like blackface, but just like a ca- camouflage or something. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, does anyone see her? No. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Well, well, then, she, well, what's that? She might be wearing a wedding dress then. That would still have worked. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I loved all those scenes. Again, it's the physicality. I can't... I can't get this across on an audio format, but Goldie Horn's <laughs> physical comedy is the best. Mm. There's just a bit when she watches Ernest drive away and she sees him with Meryl's corpse. And then she sees him getting a bunch of formaldehyde. She's like, what the hell is he doing? Mm. And there's a bit where he drives away and the gate closes and she just kind of, she just kind of does this. I'm going to show you what she does. She goes, she goes like... Okay, so John's looking side to side. He's running very quickly around his apartment. <laughs> There's not, there's not much space in here, John. No, I couldn't really do it justice in this tiny little flat, but do you know, do you know what I mean? Like that, that real kind of like, like it was a real cartoon run. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was really funny. I just loved it. loved it. If at any point she'd accidentally fallen off a cliff, she would pause for a little bit at the top. Exactly. Look left to right and then fall. Exactly. It was totally that. This whole film felt like Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's an undertaker. Bruce yeah. has taken Meryl home and he's decided to paint her up because, you know, she's dead. She's a corpse. She's she's grey and she's, you know, her neck is broken. Mm-hmm. So he basically does a whole refurb on her, I guess, a makeover mm-hmm. to make her look alive and beautiful again. He's, he's painting her. But then while he's doing that, he's interrupted by Goldie who comes in and she demands to see the corpse because she, she's seen Meryl's dead body. So she, she assumes Meryl is in fact dead. And then she, she's like, come on, we need to bury her in the creek, whatever. And she's like, are you doing something funny with Madeline's body? <laughs> what does she think he's doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with good reason, because it does seem like he's doing something funny. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, but Madeline's not ready to be buried yet. And then we get my absolute favourite of all this, the lines in this film. I think my absolute favourite line is when we get Meryl watching from above. We see like Meryl's hand. Mm-hmm. And we get Goldie and Bruce having this conversation. She's like, she deserved to die. And it's all in, del- in Goldie's delivery of this line. It's like, she was a homewrecker. She was a man-eater. And she was a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just see Meryl's claw, like... Yeah. And I was like, is this what happens when people call Meryl Streep a bad actress? Yeah. Like, 
darling. What have you two been plotting down here? Or should I say, what else? Are you angry, dear? Are you very angry? It's a lie. And then Mel just kind of glides into the back room, picks up a giant shotgun. Mm -hmm. I just want you to know, you brought this on yourself. (laughs) Shoots her in the stomach. (laughs) She's comedically flung into the mm-hmm. into the swimming pool. By the way, that mansion, amazing. Good for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd take that. And then as far as we know, Goldie Horn is dead. Mm-hmm. Did you get at this point that Goldie was also going to raise from the dead or was that a surprise as well? It wasn't a surprise, but I didn't predict it, sure. I guess. Like, the scenes kind of pointed towards it was going to happen. Sure. Yeah, so then she raises from the dead and she's mm-hmm. got this giant hole in her stomach. Mm-hmm. So at which point I was thinking, how is she supporting her upper body? Oh, yeah. She has no spine. She, is she just supporting it on her kidneys? Well, it's a very clean wound because yeah, yeah. There's, no in, there's no like internal <laughs> organs, there's no entrails hanging out. No. It's just like, it's like she's, co- she's filled with clay, mm. which happens again later in the film. It, it's like if the, when they took the potion, their whole body just became like clay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what happens. I don't know. But yeah, because yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. She's, she's got very little support system left because she's got a very thin waist anyway. Mm-hmm. And she's got this giant hole in her stomach. My other favourite line, apart from she was a bad actress, is... That was totally uncalled for. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just have a whole bitch fight. Mm -hmm. And it is the highlight of the film. It is so funny. I like, well, like I already said, Bruce's reaction to this whole scene. Mm. But I also like they're having this massive fight, like to the death and beyond, technically. But it's just over Bruce Willis, who at this point is looking awful. (laughs) Like, oh my God, of all things you're fighting over, it's him. I mean, I know that it's actually just... The rivalry of their whole lives. Yeah. But really, it's just Bruce Willis. Like, there's better men. I don't think they're fighting over him at that point. It's it's like more of an ongoing... Because they don't care about him. When they when mm. they make up, they yeah they only like, like him because... But, like, but like the prize at the end of it sure. is, is Bruce Willis. Sure, sure, sure. But I think it's more that they resent the fact that they both... Well, they get into it. It's like... Of course they resent each other and they hate each other and that's yeah. what they're fighting yeah, over. Yeah, because Meryl's stolen previous boyfriend from Goldie. Mm-hmm. But she, then it turns out she also feels insecure because Goldie's classier and she feels mm-hmm. like Goldie thinks she's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's all... Bruce is very much like a, a sideshow mm-hmm. to this. It's not really him. He's just the most recent example of something they've fallen out over. Yeah. And yeah, they kind of make up though. It, it just goes to show that, you know, if you're having a bad patch with a friend, I think all mm-hmm. you need to do is just whack him in the head with a shovel a few times and it'll just <laughs> sort itself out. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. This is pointless. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is ridiculous. We can't even hurt each other. We can't even inflict pain. Pain? I'll tell you about pain. Bobby O'Brien. Scott Hunter. Ernest Menville. That's pain. I loved every one of them and they loved me. I will not speak to you till you put your head on straight. Yeah, they kind of come to terms with each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like they both accept the fact that they're dead really quickly. They do, yeah. They don't seem particularly upset about that. No. It's like it's, like it's an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah pretty so, much. It's like, look at me, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So embarrassing. I think they even say, don't they? We're dead. This is so embarrassing. Like, Meryl has more of a reaction when she sees herself when her hair is wet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Wet hair is worse than death. A fate worse than death. <laughs> Bad hair is a fate worse than death in this film. Mm-hmm. But they make up. But then they realise that they need... They need Bruce to keep their bodies. Yeah, because they're dead, they're peeling. They're, mm-hmm. they're zombies, essentially. Mm-hmm. They are zombies. So he fixes the hole in Goldie's stomach. Mm-hmm. He fixes Meryl up. You know, they both... Her neck and everything. But then it's like, oh, but they're still peeling. They're still, like, corpses. So it's like, well, we're going to need him around all the time. And then what mm-hmm. if he dies? He'll need to... 
we need him around forever, so he's going to have to take the potion. He's going to have to live forever so he can be constantly fixing us up. But then he's decided to leave. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, it was till death was part, and ladies, you two are dead, so I'm out. Just got a little what? thing. Oh, oh! Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I think it's still well. Oh, can Ernest fix this? Yeah, I'll go get him before he leaves. But wait a minute. What, what if this happens again? What if it fades? What if it chips? What if it rains? Will he come back for touch-ups? Even if he does, he's not going to live forever. Oh, that's not good. What are we going to do? He'll have to take the potion. Yeah. We'll, we'll take him to Liesel's. Uh-huh. She'll talk him into it. Uh-huh. He's not going to go to Liesel's. You heard him. He's made up his mind about leaving. Mm, that's true. I have to respect that. I know. We'll drug him. So they attempt to drug him with uh, the same method that they were going to use to drug Merrill with the glass of booze. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know what? I drink too much. And he doesn't, he doesn't drink it. So they just bash him over the head with vases mm-hmm. and um, take him back to Isabella Rossellini's mansion where mm-hmm. she's throwing a party for all of her clients yeah which is basically every celebrity ever yes i did enjoy that <laughs> yeah it was a good spot the celebrity for you. yeah they've got like marilyn monroe and elvis presley and james dean and jim morrison it's mm-hmm. great i got isabella just doing full panto well first she's just doing like casual backstroke in the pool full again lots of lots of side boob mm-hmm. lots of side boob but yeah then she's wearing this ridiculous like pythony kind of cape thing she does the hand thing again mm-hmm. and he gets the whole hand thing again uh, but then he decides that he, he doesn't want to live forever. Mm-hmm. He's like, this isn't a blessing, it's a curse. Mm-hmm. It's awful. He's like, what am I going to do? Hang out with Helen and Madeline forever? And he kind of goes action boost for like five seconds when he throws <laughs> the knife and it effortlessly hits the light switch and mm. plunges the entire room into Which darkness. is weird, because in the film, that's the first time he's hit a target. Oh, totally, yeah. We see that earlier he's been throwing knives at a dartboard for years. Yes. And then he packs that dartboard away. That dartboard is immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> like he's never once hit that dartboard. <laughs> true, true, yeah. Maybe it's because the hand. Maybe he's using his good hand now. Ah, yes. Exactly. Didn't me, but that might be it. Well done, because I, I did clock on early, at the, that poor point. His hands were shaking so much. And, oh my God, and, that is and, it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like, oh, so he's not a surgeon anymore. Yeah. And so now he's gone into embalming. Mm. So I guess that makes sense. That's good. Use his good hand to hit the light switch. Yeah, and then he tries to escape from the party. Maryland, Goldie spots him and like, he still looks like hell. She's, she's not giving him the good stuff. <laughs> and they realise he's still alive. Which then makes me think, wait, is there bad stuff? Like, does this potion have, like, quality levels? I don't Ooh, know. 19, 1959, that was a good year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, obviously not, because he's not taking anything, but apart mm. from his hand. But yeah, so he's trying to escape, and he ends up on the roof of the building. He ends up dangling for reasons. Like, he ends up, like, dangling from a drain pipe mm-hmm. by his braces. Mm-hmm. Which must really hurt. <laughs> Regardless. Yes. And they're like, drink the potion, it's the only way you'll survive. Because he's about to fall, like, many, many feet to his death. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to convince him to drink the potion so that he can stay alive and survive the fall. And But he decides not to. And he he's like, sorry, ladies, you're on your own. And he drops the potion. Falls to what would have been his death if this film made sense. But yes. he survives because it's funnier, I guess. Yeah. Falls through a glass window, lands on a swimming pool that we saw yeah. earlier. Yes. And... Both the girls just roll their eyes. Yes. It's like this happens all the time <laughs> yeah. in this world. And then he runs away. Meryl and Goldie are basically cast out of the immortal people group because they've not mm-hmm. looked after their bodies, I guess. Mm. And they just, just realise they've just got to look after each other from now on because mm. Bruce ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. And then we get a final scene when we cut forward another 38 years. This film covers like a century. God, yeah, it does. It really covers a lot of time. Yeah. And Bruce has finally died at the age of, like, 87 or something. Mm-hmm. And we get this whole eulogy about how he had all these kids and he lived his life to the max from the age of 50. All this kind of stuff. And they're both sat at the back. This is when the movie turns into absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. They're, so, they're so Patsy and Adina at this point. Yeah. 
so then they they're in that these veils and then they leave the, the funeral and they pull the veils up because Goldie starts crying and then she accidentally tears like her lower eyelid off or something mm. and they just both look hilariously bad like just awful mm-hmm. Goldie trips over on the kind of spray paint that they're arguing over and then Mary refuses to kind of pull her back up and then so mm-hmm. Goldie grabs her and they both fall and they just fall again a very long scene of them falling down a very mm-hmm. short stack of stairs mm-hmm. and then they just smash into pieces like Chandler yeah. does <laughs> And then it ends on, I love a film that ends on a great final line. And what a great final line. When Goldie's head just rolls into shot and just kind of goes, as if this has happened a thousand times before. Yeah. Do you remember where we parked the car? Mm. <laughs> and that's it. And that's the end of Death Becomes Her. Mm. So what happens to them after that point? Because like, well, they can't move. Well, her can... hand is moving. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Oh, yes. Yeah, so maybe you can move their limbs independently It seems like they probably, body. I mean, if anyone, le- they're going to have to work quickly because if people are going to walk out, they're going to see this. Like, yeah, they're going to be like, what? Yeah. Be, be awful. Yeah. I guess that's the question. Yeah. But oh, it's just such a treat. It's such a treat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this film was crazy. Any other thoughts on the film before we get to drinking games? Uh, yeah. I was thinking that we could uh, bring back a game that we've played every now and then. Maybe okay. maybe it's a regular thing. I don't know. Sure. But the Friends game? The Friends game. Okay, sure. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. So cast, casting the Friends in, in, in this film. Now, there's not many characters, but there's a fair few side characters that we, that we could build up. Sure. Okay. So let's start off with Meryl. Okay. Who do you think would play Meryl of the six Friends? Jennifer Aniston? It's got to be. Yeah. 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 It's got to be Rachel. Yeah. Um, then I would say Goldie is Phoebe. Oh, I thought Goldie was Monica because she's more like uptight. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, Monica. Because yeah. her, her weight fluctuates. Exactly. Her weight fluctuates. Yeah. Well, I was more thinking that she's, she'd be like, I'm soaking wet, you know. Mm. Bruce Willis, Joey? Chandler? See, no, I don't think so. Because no. I think that... Well, he's not that stupid, the Bruce character. No. But is anybody? Well, I guess he's the only one who could conceivably sleep with both of them. Because mm. Ross is... Um, yeah, there's family there. Yeah. And uh, Chandler has never expressed any interest in Rachel. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm thinking Joey. But also, sure. I can much more easily see Matt LeBlanc doing what Bruce Willis did in this film. Sure. Compared okay. to Matthew Perry. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Matthew Perry's not good at playing somebody losing his mind. Or I think that uh, Matt LeBlanc would do quite well at that. Um Isabella Rossellini. We've only got Phoebe left, so surely. Well, I think a bit, a bit of an out there choice. Uh, Ross? <laughs> okay, explain. Justify. <laughs> well, can you imagine him in that role? David Schwimmer in that role? By that role, do you mean in that outfit? Yeah, in, yeah, in, a, in, a, few, in a few outfits like that. Would, would that not fit? Oh, no, it would be hilarious, yeah. Exactly. I think that would work really well. Yeah, no, that works. I can see that. I do then also think, because that, that ties in nicely to the fact that she is Ross's number one celebrity. In that the... is true, yeah. Mm. Mm, that's good. Okay, um, the Doctor. Yes. So we've got six friends characters to cast. Okay, sure, yeah. So we've cast two of the girls and Ross and Joey. Sure. So we've got Chandler and Monica left. Chandler and Phoebe left. Chandler and Phoebe, yeah. I feel like Chandler could be the Doctor, but then who are you saving Phoebe for? The French guy. The French guy, oh, okay. Yes, because she does do a good French accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got it. Yep, that'll do. That works, yeah. I could see that, yeah. <laughs> Smart their choices. Mm-hmm. Okay, drinking games. Drinking games. Okay, my first one is drink for thunder and lightning. Good, yeah. Solid. A lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one is similar. It is drink for Frankenstein references. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of Frankenstein references in this film. Did you pick up a lot of them? Some, maybe. So, obviously, there's there's lots of thunder and lightning. Well, there's mm-hmm. a scene where Bruce Willis literally goes, It's a miracle! And then there's lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where Goldie Hawn says, 
it's alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's another great line. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and obviously the whole thing has a Frankenstein vibe because, you know, zombies. Zombies raised from the dead. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just drink for Frankenstein references. Drink for injuries. Injuries, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some good ones. I mean, Goldie falls down the stairs. I guess when they all shatter to a well, thousand Well, don't pieces. they all fall down the stairs at different points? Uh, yeah, I don't think Bruce does. He almost does, but they pull it He back. almost does, yeah. yeah. But if you count him getting smashed over the head with a, a vase, then yes. Mm, yeah, yeah. And there's lots of injuries. That'd be good mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. Very good. Drink for the f- words mad hell. <laughs> sure. Drink for wigs. Drink for wigs, yeah. Did you mm-hmm. have a favourite wig? Mm, yeah, Bruce. Bruce, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of Bruce wigs. <laughs> there was young Bruce, and there was like even younger Bruce. Like, and then there was old Bruce in one photo. Old Bruce in that one photo, yeah. Yeah, he, he wore a lot of hats in this film. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I liked Goldie's really heavy wig. It just made me laugh. Just mm-hmm. it, was, it was so unflattering. Yeah. Especially fat Goldie's wig, actually. It was really <laughs> funny. Speaking of Goldie, drink for a Goldie Horn costume change. Okay. I think she got the best costumes in this film. Mm-hmm. She just had a look for every scene. It's like she's got the the amazing red dress, obviously, when she first is revealed as like young, skinny mm-hmm. Goldie. There's her spying beret and mm-hmm. night glasses outfit, which is fantastic. She's a real clothes horse in this film. She wore a lot of really good costumes. Mm-hmm. I appreciate them. So mm-hmm. every time Goldie has a costume change. Sure. A drink for bad slash changing accents. Sure. Who do you mean? Well, obviously French lady. There's French lady, French man. Yeah. Um, his, I felt was, it was a bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. His, it was all French, yeah. but it felt inconsistently French. Well, they were, I think like everyone a, was painting with broad colours in the Yeah. <laughs> It's like when someone does a broad English or a broad yeah. American accent. You can always tell. Yeah. No one's Daniel day lewis in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that kind of film. Yeah, so there's a few like that. Sure, okay. Okay, here's one. Drink for photos or pictures of Meryl. There are quite a few. There's lots and lots of different pictures of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first shot is the, the programme for the terrible musical in the rain. when she's, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's so ridiculously like black and white and blurry. And then in the house as well, the mansion is full of photos of her and Bruce together. Just every time you see one of those. Mm. Yeah, drink. yeah, sure, sure. Uh, drink for boobs. Drink for boobs. Yeah. I, I had drink for side boob. Okay. Is that the same thing? Or? Yeah. Basically just every time Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. Because there's, there's a few points of like Meryl's boobs as well. Are there? Oh, oh, do you mean when her, when they like lift up? Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. And so drink, drink for side boob, drink for cleavage. Sure, okay, yeah. yeah no, cleavage, there's that. big cleavage in this film, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool, yeah, drink for cleavage. There's more cleavages than there are people in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was just saying, like, generally drink for special effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I liked how the the Meryl transformation scene when she's looking in the mirror, it's like initially, before they do, like, the, the bum lift and the boob lift, they just give her, like, Barbara Streisand lighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just yeah, like, yeah. And it's like, she's, like, 20 years younger. It's, <laughs> it's great. So, just, but, yeah, all the special effects scenes, obviously, with the, with the neck and the... It was very much Barbara Streisand lighting and also Meryl, don't move a muscle or else our special effects budget is blown out the roof. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) On guard, (laughs) bitch. Uh, Any more drinking games? No. Cool. Then shall we move on to Patreon? Yes. So if you would like to support the show, if you have enjoyed the show for this episode or any or all episodes beforehand, please go to patreon.com slash set where you can support the show for as much or as little as you like. Now, no matter how much you support, you get a few bonus features, which include a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review films that we're not really going to do on the main podcast, which is mainly films in the cinema, Mm -hmm. but uh, also once a month, any Patreon supporters can request a film for us to do. Mm -hmm. So we recently did uh, Avengers Infinity War, and in the past, we've also done Paddington's. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can just choose whatever you want. We'll just talk about it there for a bit. Also, every week, John will splice in an advert 
from one of our supporters. Mm-hmm. This can be a 30-second advert slot on anything you want. It can be, well, within reason, actually. It can be your own podcast. It can be somebody else's podcast, your own business, another business. You want to support Argos, for example. <laughs> sure. Talk 30 seconds about Argos. They're all right. They sell everything. And they have the weirdest shop you can imagine because they don't have shelves or any anything any products on. on have the you shop. been in Argos today? What's what's put this on? I don't know. <laughs> I've not been in Argos in years. Mm. Yeah, they've got a weird shop though, right? Yeah, it's I, I kind of like. They it, really something. are just like we think all shops should be like this. Yeah, and nobody else agrees. Well, it works. You just I kind of like it. It's kind of like it's like you don't. It's, it's like shopping on Amazon, but you've got to go somewhere to do it. Yeah. True. <laughs> but at least you don't have to like wander around all the shelves. Like you can just look in the catalogue and be like, find this for me. Right? Yeah. It it really does feel like a midway between a regular shop and online shopping. Yeah. I don't know how well Argos do these days, but well, they're still around. They're still around now, but you never know. Like, you know, House of Freeze is gone, so or going, so mm. I mean, loads of things are going and going or gone. Yeah. Wool- Woolworths. That was like days. twenty years ago. How could, how are you how do you, how are you nostalgic for Woolworths? Surely you were like five when they died. But five is the prime age because you can walk in. No one sees you because you're uh-huh. so small. You can go up to the sweet section. Oh, I see. Okay. Take as many as you want because it's always right by the door. Why well, was it always right by the door? Okay. What if that encourages shoplifting? Uh, are you now confessing to shoplifting a whole load of sweets? From On me? an online podcast, yes. Okay, fine. Sure. Well, I mean, they're not, no I one's mean, going to sue you. Has anybody not done that? Write in, please. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. fair enough. This is why they shut down. <laughs> Bad business model. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So anyway, yes, a uh, thirty-second advert which uh, John will slice in now. Yeah, which apparently this week we used for defunct uh, department stores for some reason. <laughs> hey Drew, what are you doing Wednesdays? Wednesdays, you know, specifically on Wednesdays, I watch movies. Oh, I like to talk about movies. You want to talk about them? Talk about them? Why don't we record? Talk oh my about gosh, them? like a podcast. Definitely like a podcast. Ah, oh, and we could have the reels and the feels. But what would we call it? How about? The Real Feels Podcast. I love we can, it. We can talk about the best parts of the movies, the worst parts of the movies, our favorite lines. Every other Wednesday? On, like, Podbean and iTunes? I'll see you there. All right, it will be the realest. The feelest. Yeah, so all that is available on patreon.com slash set. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right in the one with the show. So, I guess it's me first. So, the film is called Death Becomes Everyone. Okay, interesting. So, as many sequels do, this one's going to take the original and it's going to it's going to multiply it. Right. Alien turned into aliens, predator okay. turned into predators, ramping up. Terminator turned into more terminators. More terminators is that the film? Terminator Six, more terminators. How many are there? There's more. <laughs> Too many terminators. <laughs> sure. Okay. So this one's going to pick up. Well, it's going to start pretty much just as the original film finishes. Okay. At uh, Ernest's funeral. Okay. And we're going to see this from a kind of a, a different angle, I guess. But it's not going to centre on Meryl and Goldie's characters. We're going to see them get up and walk out. Okay. Oh, they do put themselves back together then? No, the, as in we see the same scene of them oh, I see. Okay, leaving right. the church or whatever it is. Okay, sure. The door closes, we don't see them. Then a mysterious figure comes out from the shadows in mm-hmm. the corner and uh, walks down the aisle and steps up to the front, moving the vicar out of the way, takes his hood down, and is in fact Ernest Menville. He's alive. He's alive. Okay. But not just he's alive, he's looking fantastic. Oh, okay. He's looking so fantastic, in, in fact, that... He's not Bruce Willis anymore. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. 
fantastic but with some questionable um, some questionable facial prosthetics yeah okay like it like it yeah. I was, was going to say to make Bruce Willis look young yeah I, well I wanted to but then I looked up okay so this was 1992 yeah and now it's 2018 yeah so that's like a good 26 years later or whatever it is and Bruce Willis does no longer look 37 no <laughs> no he does not so yeah I thought recasting sure and who else well yeah I mean it writes itself so. mm-hmm so this causes quite a stir. Oh, so this is in front of the congregation? This is in front of all his friends and family. Okay. And so he, he explains about the magic potion he bought from Isabella Rossellini, mm-hmm. which allowed him to return uh, with his youth and spend more time with everybody. Yeah, so he, did he take it? So he, to, he, he knew he was going to die through whatever reason. Maybe it was an illness that, that was taking him. Um, so he knew he was going to die. And uh, yeah, maybe he ran away at the last moment somehow and got this potion because he didn't want to say goodbye to his family. Oh, I see. So he rather than take the potion when he was 50, mm. he waited till the moment of his death because it does restore you back to you. Yeah, because I guess that he probably spent the rest of his life thinking, well, I could still just go and get it. Like, I could live forever or not. And then when the time came to him to decision point of like, oh my God, I might die and never see my family again. Then he decided I can't do that. Smart. So, That's smart. So yeah. he took he took his time about it okay. and actually made a, a reasonable decision rather than just being like, Oh, yeah, I'll buy this right now because he made my hand look nice. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, he... Uh, he it's he, like, I could start jogging or I could take this potion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the fucking potion. <laughs> I hate to break this to you, John, but jogging isn't actually life's elixir. You're not going to live forever if you jog. No, I was talking about Goldie because when she was really fat. <laughs> um, I see, I see. So, yeah, he explains this to, to everybody in the church, his friends and family. And uh, he also explains about how important it is that they don't share this with anybody. Sure. Because if they do, they'll expose this whole thing mm-hmm. that's going on. So you're just going to tell everyone who's turned up to his funeral, but that's like... Yes. Now, because this has essentially cost everybody their inheritance... Oh, okay, right. Well, you can see where that's going. They're not happy, yeah. No, no. So, 50 years later... Okay. Big time jump. Okay. Now, I need a lot of exposition here, so I'm just going to give it to a new newscaster to read out. Okay. So, the world's population hit another milestone this week, with the latest count being 25 billion people on planet Earth. Fair few. This is mainly due to a mysterious yet popular drug known as Menville drug. (laughs) Or the Menville drug. Which is currently produced by a company known as Big Daddy Corp. (laughs) Oh, it's been a while. Big Daddy are back. They're back. Sold primarily in North America, Europe and East Asia. The drug is only available for purchase if you're 18 or over. Demand for the world's resources is at record highs leave much of the world a barren desert. 99.9% of the world's population now lives in the Northern Hemisphere. Space is at a premium, with the population rising faster than ever. Oh dear. So, essentially, the world has gone to shit because there are too many people. Sure. Because everybody's immortal now. Right, okay. Shit. But by immortal, they do still need to eat and Mm. stuff. So, we then cut to Ernest Menville, who is... uh, He's in his mansion. Mm -hmm. He's now regained a lot of money because he's the face of this drug. Okay. So. Is he like the Walter White of this situation? Or? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So let's say that he's... T- I've not actually written this in, but he's got the drug and replicated it somehow. Right. Sold the formula to Big Daddy. Made okay. a lot of money out of it. Okay. Made, I don't know, 25% of all their sales. Sure. I mean, Denzel's definitely on this drug. <laughs> Do you think? I feel like Denzel has looked the but same. For, for, con- for context, listeners, this Big Daddy Corp is a little company, say little company, it's a big evil company that comes up through a couple of my ideas, headed off by Denzel Washington. Yes. No, I feel like, if you look, like Denzel Washington generally looks the same all the time. That's a good show, actually. Yeah. He is like 70. He, I know, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Okay, so because he is the face of this drug, which is essentially destroying the world. Sure. A lot of people hate him. Right, okay. But he's just got used to this. Sure, yeah. He doesn't care. He's rich. He's got a mansion. He's fine. Yeah. So there are constant protests and riots happening outside of his mansion. Okay. Um, he lives with his wife, who he has had many children with. Okay. Some of whom were at the funeral. So it was the wife that was also at the, fu- at the funeral, mourning wife at that point. Okay. She must have taken the potion and become younger. Okay. They've had loads of kids over the years, like 20. You, mean, you can still have kids after taking the potion. I would assume so. Would the kids be born immortal? Uh, would they never age? Would they just be babies forever? No, I don't I don't think the kids would be, would be born immortal. Okay. Because who wants, like, a one-day-old forever? Mm. That's horrible. It's the worst kind of child. Well, one of. So his youngest child, I've not got a name for this child, he's a boy of only two years old. Okay. Who is upstairs asleep. Okay. Think of a name for a two-year-old. Tarquin. Tarquin? Yeah. Where did that come from? Dunno, it just came to me. Okay. Sure. Tarquin. I'm not gonna ask you to cast him, because he's two. <laughs> I have a long list. <laughs> so the right out right outside gets out of hand and people people start throwing bricks at the house. Unfortunately, one of the bricks goes through an upstairs bedroom window and actually lands uh, in Tarquin's bed, injuring him quite badly. Oh no, a little Tarquin. Mm, poor Tarquin. So Ernest, some great names here now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ernest runs to Tarquin's attention and uh, does what he can to help him, you know, being a bit of an expert. Sure. Um, but ultimately knows he can't, so he calls an ambulance and an air ambulance arrives very quickly. Mm-hmm. He's rich, great insurance, air ambulance is always on hand. Sure. So Every- Tarquin's not dead. Tarquin's not dead. Okay. But like he is very badly injured. Sure. Uh, I'm not going to go into details as to what that is. I don't really want to. No. This um, sounds like a depressing film. It's an opening. Oh, it's got to have a downer to get to, you know, Sure, sure, there. sure, yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, people in the, the riot, in the protest outside, well, they're completely against the drug, so they have not actually taken it. Right. So they're all just, like, awful looking. They've all aged way more than anybody who's taken the drug has. So they just um, look like people. Yeah, but like in context, with in perspective, they look awful. Oh, so all the people who've taken I'm, the drugs look beautiful, and these are just like the, the unwashed masses kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there could be some fun there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like the hills have eyes, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> oh, was that the idea? The real, the real zombies are people who don't take this drug. Ah, yes, of okay, course. Yeah. Like society it, like it. zombies. Yeah, I like it. Okay, it's good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, they go to hospital. And after a while, the doctors come out and say that there's nothing more they can do. He's on life support and there's only hours left. Oh, no. So Ernest, well, he runs in, stays stays by his son's side. And uh, he loves his son more than anything, for mm-hmm. some reason that I've not really written. This is so depressing. More, more than any of his 20 children. Sure. And so decides that rather than let him die, he's going to break the, the highest rule in society and he's going to give him that drug. So the rule is no taking the potion before you're 18 or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. So give him the drug. And uh, watches as his injuries quite quickly heal. Sure. He's like, oh yeah, great. Then his son starts to grow. Because in the first film, the drug takes you to like this perfect age. Oh, I of, see. Of where your boobs are just right. <laughs> yeah, and your bum's just right. How uh, old were you when your boobs were just right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know when it happens. Okay. Um, <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you're not just right when you're two are you you're still no. growing to that peaking age that's often what I think when I look at two year olds those boobs just ain't right yet <laughs> give it time <laughs> well that's creepy and so essentially he grows up okay in space, instantly in, oh, sure. in the space okay. of a few minutes he grows up oh, now wow. this drug only affects the body it does not affect the mind okay I'm on board yeah <laughs> see now this is the point I thought you'd get on board okay. so I need to cast somebody now okay someone who is the perfect specimen 
but can also play really stupid. So somebody good-looking who's going to play a baby. Mm-hmm. Channing? Tatum? Ooh, good shout. Yeah, yeah, solid shout. I think he could do have a lot of fun playing a baby. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking Zac Efron, but I think you've, you've, you've done me better there. Yeah, no, Zac Efron, not so much. I couldn't really think of anybody. Yeah, sure. And you know, no. me, I'm, I'm always casting Hemsworth, so I try to stick. Yeah, stay let, away let, from them. let's give them a break. They can't yeah. be in everything, right? Yeah. yeah, so there he is. And he's, it is in his mid 20s, acting like a two year old. I think Shani Tatum's like 37 at this point. Whatever, he still looks it, yeah. fantastic. Sure, yeah, yeah. So then hilarity ensues for another 50 years over the course of a montage. So Ernest is still looking the same and is sick and tired of caring for his two year old adult son. Sure. And the world is in ruins. Mm-hmm. Population is now over 100 billion. Oh, dear God. With another 50 billion on Mars. Oh, wow. Okay. For whatever reason. Okay. Most land masses are now uninhabitable due to global warming, mm-hmm. um, which is another factor why space is even more of a premium. Sure. So much so that geographical space is now the new currency. Oh, okay. No one cares about money anymore when all they care about is having space to live, pretty much. You're creating a whole universe. I know. <laughs> I've done, yeah, I've gone for it this, this week. So... Somebody is considered quite rich if they were to own like a single kilometre squared. Okay. Maybe that's like a million dollars or something. Sure. Good enough. I don't know. Gone are the days where you could buy a Freddo for just a 0.5 millimetres. It's now like a whole half centimetre. <laughs> oh, so people are literally trading space just to buy food stuff. Oh, yeah. That's a very unstable economic system right there. Do like, you think? It would be difficult to regulate if you're constantly giving like... Imagine every time you went for a weekly shop, you had to be like, oh, you can have this much of my territory. Right. Well, money, like real money, is technically just a share in gold. Sure, yeah. Mm, true. Like if you look at any 5, 10, 20 pound note, it always says like, I promise to pay the bearer of this of this note 20 pounds. Sure. Or something. Which I'm guessing that back in the day, a pound meant actually a pound in weight of gold. I don't know. Sure. No, you're right. You make sense. Okay. No, that makes sense. Thank God no one ever calls anyone on that. Okay. <laughs> sure. You seem so accepting of anything that's just be slightly beyond your comprehension. <laughs> I don't want to get bogged down. I'm trying to like, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep this going. Keep this going. So, well, Ernest is a rich guy. He's got a few hundred kilometres to himself. So he decides, you know, to to fix this all. He's going to put an end to all this madness. So he goes to the one place. He's still a simple Big Daddy HQ. Okay. He demands that they create a cure for the medicine in exchange for all his land. A cure that would make people then die naturally, age naturally and die in the Essentially. So Big Daddy, they don't actually need much persuading. For, for this because well they need the land yeah. for whatever reason also they realise that if they produce the cure they can market it as a cure to fix planet earth okay just make loads of money or get loads of land but people would be buying this on the understanding that they were ending their own lives yeah well yeah okay counting on a lot of altruism there I don't know well I guess it works okay people see that you know it's, it's not that nice when you're having like a square foot to yourself yeah. I suppose if they'd got if a lot of people had got into Marilyn Goldie's situation when they were just like walking corpses mm. and that's after a certain point that's not so nice yeah you probably would be like okay yeah yeah so that's exactly what they do they produce a product which can undo the effects of the potion and revert anybody to the form they held when they originally took the potion oh okay interesting the product sells massively well very quickly Ernest takes it and becomes Bruce Willis Okay. He feeds it to his son, who becomes a dead toddler. <laughs> a dead toddler. <laughs> wow, this is this is a brutal film. <laughs> very and, obsessing. Um, the whole world buys it in exchange for their land. Most of the population die within weeks, and having sold 100% of the remaining land on Earth to Big Daddy. Okay. That's a bleak, bleak scene. The population now returns to less than 10 billion, meaning there's over 90 billion corpses in the world. Yeah. And the world moves on, <laughs> under the steady control of Big Daddy. And that is pretty much the film. 
there's then a post credit scene. Okay. Which picks up in an alleyway full of rubbish and stuff. The camera pans down and we see um, a severed human head. Um, it's on wheels and it's pottering about the rubbish. It calls out, I'm mad. I think I found some. Another head drives over and we see them from the front and obviously it's Meryl and Goldie. Uh-huh. Actually back. Meryl laps up this liquid Goldie has found. Obviously, they're looking for the cure. Looking sure. for just some leftovers or something. Mm-hmm. And immediately spits it out. Yuck! That's piss! <laughs> Not the new potion! Goldie cackles at her, and then they both drive off. Ah, oh, very good. Very good. I like that. That was a good little camera at the end of them. Yeah. Okay, interesting. You paint like a very dark and bleak picture. It's kind of bold to end your film with the mass suicide of 90% of the population <laughs> of the planet, but, you know, following a light comedy with that kind of... But, yeah, mm. it tackles some interesting dark themes. And mm. You really created a world there, so, yeah. I went dark this you week. You did, you went dark this week. Cool. Uh, well, luckily I didn't, so... Uh, oh, good, thank God. Yes, I don't <laughs> Well, um, I really did want to take this in a different direction, and I had a few casting ideas in mind, but um, it didn't go that way. I'll, I'll get to them after yours, just in case. You sure? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I've gone in a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, my sequel... <laughs> Imagine if you'd done the same exactly, I had the exact, on that. God damn it, the exact same idea. <laughs> so, mine is based on a film we saw recently. Mm-hmm. And a kind of a com- an ongoing conversation we've been having. Um, so, we recently saw the new Mission Impossible film with uh, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And we just remarked, Tom Cruise is in his mid to late 50s now. Mm-hmm. And he ke- he's just... If, if anything, he's more of an action star than ever. He keeps making these insane action movies and doing all these stunts himself and it's it's crazy it's like where does this end mm. what's going to become of him so I had some thoughts that uh, tied into this film well let's uh, let's hear it okay so this film we open on the set of the 2017 movie The Mummy mm-hmm. that we saw in the cinema mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise is filming a fight scene with Russell Crowe because they do fight in that film it's a very complicated choreographed fight scene you know, it's very draining they have to reshoot it over and over again from different angles etc mm-hmm. And they're both really, really tired. It gets very draining. But they're both refusing to admit it. They're both very, like, ego-driven. Like, yeah. Even the director is trying to get them to take a break. He's like, come on, you guys aren't as young as you used to be. You know, <laughs> if you need to take... We can take 20 minutes if you need to chill out. And they're both like, nope, nope, nope. We're fine. We can continue. Mm-hmm. Russell is particularly having a hard time of it because, mm-hmm. you know, he's not in Tom Cruise shape, you know. Mm-hmm. But he won't. He absolutely will not admit it. He's too proud. Yeah. And they're doing retake after retake after retake of this fight scene. And eventually Russell just breaks and he collapses to the ground, completely winded, and he demands that they take a break. And he probably like punches an intern or something because he's Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And so they call a break. The director says, are you okay, Tom? To Tom Cruise. And Tom's like, yeah, I could do this all day. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm just going to take a quick bathroom break, you know, while grandpa recovers over here. Mm-hmm. The next thing we cut to Tom Cruise in the toilet cubicle, just full on hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. Like probably like he vomits a little bit. He's, he's so out of breath. He's so tired. He's just, he's a wreck. But they get the shot. They finish the scene. He goes back to his hotel room. The next day he wakes up in his bed and he cannot move. His back is just gone. He's mm-hmm. completely paralyzed. Uh, so he calls his personal physiotherapist for some emergency treatment. Like using just hands free. Hey Siri! Siri help! Sure, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Voice activated calling his physio. Yeah, I think maybe, I feel like he calls a few wrong people first. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel like his physio's on hand all the time. Though, like, <laughs> <laughs> Quick dial one. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't call Casey Holmes. It's awkward. Um, anyway, his physiotherapist turns up and it's going to be similar to the scene in the original film where she's at the plasma treatment beauty mm-hmm. place. He's going to be getting like a deep tissue massage, but also he's demanding all sorts of crazy drugs to kind of 
you know, get himself back into shape and stuff. Mm. And his therapist is like, Tom, you have to face facts. You're 55 years old. There's a time limit on how long you can keep treating your body like this and you're coming to the end of it. It's just the natural law. And then Tom's going to repeat the Isabella Rossellini line. It's going to be, screw the natural law. <laughs> so they finish shooting and the movie comes out. And as we know, it bombs. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see Tom Cruise like in his office reading all the reviews that are going to have headlines like, is Tom Cruise officially too old for this shit? <laughs> Fantasy flop fails to resurrect Tom Cruise's career, etc. Mm-hmm. It's all very bad. And then the next thing, he takes a call from his agent. He's like, so, okay, I know things didn't turn out too well with the Mummy movie, but uh, they're looking at the next slate of Marvel movies. And, and Tom Cruise gets very excited, thinking he's going to be the next Iron Man or something, mm-hmm. or whatever ones they haven't used yet. Mm-hmm. And he says... Um, whatever ones they haven't used. Well, I know no, they've no, used no, Iron no, Man. I know used Iron on. Man. I'm just saying, whatever they... I don't know. Who have they not done yet? Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, great. He thinks he's going to be Hawkeye. Fine. Um, <laughs> so they're looking at the next slate of Marvel movies and how would you feel about playing Captain America's father? <laughs> and then we just hear a click. <laughs> <laughs> so a few days later, Tom Cruise goes to some Hollywood party. He's feeling very depressed and he runs into the actor Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. who is just getting up for the release of the new Ant-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And he's looking fabulous. Mm. As ageless and fabulous as Paul Rudd always looks. Mm-hmm. And so Tom is a bit... Paul Rudd's on the cusp, I think, though. Well, in this film, he's not. Okay. okay. I've not seen him in a recent film, but he is notably someone who doesn't seem to age. Maybe it's finally caught up with him. He, he, it's, it's not quite, but it's, it's close. It's getting there. It's very okay, close. Fine, fine, fine. But in, the, in this scenario, it's not. So Tom's a little bit drunk. He's feeling very depressed. He's like, God damn it, Paul, what's your secret? You're only five years younger than me, which is true. Paul Rudd is 49. And Paul Rudd says, okay, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I like you, man, so I'm going to help you out. And Paul Rudd hands Tom Cruise a card, a business card, and then walks away. So Tom Cruise looks at the card, turns it over, and it simply says, J-Lo. Oh, no. All right, carry on. Who's going to play an ageless beauty? Madonna. No, 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 Madonna's got a part in this later. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Not that role. Um, yeah, so J-Lo's going to be like Isabella Rossellini. Come okay. on, J-Lo could do that. She, again, is... It's ridiculous how she doesn't age. It's absurd. Yeah, whatever. So, so anyway, much like Meryl in the original film, Tom dismisses this. He's like, J-Lo? He dismisses it, he rips it up the card, puts it in his man bag, walks out. Mm-hmm. A few days later, he gets a call from his agents again. This time to discuss the upcoming Mission Impossible movie, which mm-hmm. he's due to begin filming soon. Mm. I'm going to play around with timelines here. I'm sure he's already Clearly. filmed that. Let's just say, like, yeah. He filmed it in two weeks. It was in, shot in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, in, my, <laughs> in my world, that's what's happened. So his agent calls to discuss the upcoming Mission Impossible movie. And he's like, Tom, listen, we've got some news. The studio is a little bit nervous about this whole mummy backlash. So they're retooling the new Mission Impossible a little bit. We're dialing down the romantic subplot for this one. And they're bringing in someone a little bit younger to really draw in that millennial crowd. How do you feel about Henry Cavill? And then we just cut to like outside the mansion and we're just going to hear Tom Cruise's voice go, No! <laughs> so basically the idea is that Henry Cavill's been brought in as a younger mm-hmm. co-lead you know, yeah. to potentially take over the franchise or to, to balance out the fact that Tom Cruise is kind of too old and kids don't really care about him anymore. Mm-hmm. Next thing we know, he's driving maniacally down the motorway towards Las Vegas, where J-Lo is currently in residency. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the rain is pouring, he's speeding, you know, it's mm-hmm. that, just like the scene in the original. He gets to Vegas, and J-Lo's just finishing her latest light show. You know, it's all very razzle-dazzle. She looks great. Mm-hmm. It's a packed house. Sure. He goes backstage and meets her, and she's like, Ah, oh, Tom! How, how, how much were the audience paid to be there? 
They paid everything they had and it was cheap, as Goldie says. Oh. Yes. The hottest show in town. Okay. So J-Lo's like, oh, Tom, I've been expecting you. Mm. And we're just going to recreate the entire Liesl, Isabella Rossellini scene here. Mm-hmm. So she's probably going to be wearing that same kind of macrame bra, you know, mm-hmm. walking around. She's going to be like, you know, I know what you're looking for. We would have invited you into our little society before, but Nicole Kidman's been vetoing you for years. <laughs> but after we all saw the mummy, even she felt sorry for you. <laughs> so she takes out the potion. She stabs him in the finger, does the whole crazy hand thing. He watches his hand, you know, rejuvenate. Mm-hmm. Does the whole spiel about how it grants eternal youth and beauty. And Tom Cruise is like, this is insane. Who knows about this? And Jalo says, well, everybody in Hollywood... George, Kate, Hallie, Tilda, Keanu, Cher, Gwen Stefani. Aside from you, the only person in Hollywood we haven't told is Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Johnny Depp was one of our founding members, but we had to kick him out recently, and well, you can see how that's working out for him. (laughs) (laughs) So Tom's like, how much? Mm -hmm. And he takes the potion, instantly feels and looks much younger. Again, we get that repeated, that scene where she goes, now a warning. He's like, now a warning? Mm -hmm. I feel like Tom Cruise could do that well. Mm So she's like, take care of your body. Go easy on the action movies. And then we're going to get a Tom Cruise recreation of the mirror scene. He's mm-hmm. looking like a full-length mirror. And his jowls are going to lift up a little bit. <laughs> his, uh, his pecs are going to harden and rise. Mm-hmm. His natural hairline's going to proceed. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to look great. <laughs> He's very okay. happy. Yeah. Cut to a few weeks later. He turns up on the set of Mission Impossible, looking and feeling at least 20 years younger. And everyone's like, well, Tom, you look fantastic. And he, he does. He looks great. He feels great. His energy levels are higher than they've been in years. His stamina is just through the roof. Mm-hmm. And he's doing all his own stunts again, despite mm-hmm. J-Lo's warnings. And he's doing so well that he convinces the movie producers to retool the movie once again and make Henry Cavill a villain. Mm. So he's back to being the lead again. Yeah. So obviously, with all this happening, it's kind of going to his head a little bit. And he totally forgets J-Lo's warning and he insists on more and more elaborate stunt work. And it gets to one scene where he's running through London and there's a huge jump he has to do from one skyscraper to another or one tower to another. Mm-hmm. And the director kind of says, now, Tom, this is a very dangerous shot. So we've got a specialist in. He's going to be your body double. Tom's like, no, 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 no. I can handle it. I'm invincible. <laughs> so eventually, because he's so insistent, he's such a prima donna, that the crew are just kind of forced to back down and let him do the shot. So he's running, he's running, he's running. He takes the shot. He does the jump into the air. And then he falls 50 stories down and lands with a sickening crash in the floor. Ooh, okay. And then we cut to the director. He's like, holy fuck. We just killed Tom Cruise. (laughs) And then we cut to the bottom of the building. Mm -hmm. And Tom Cruise is lying face down in concrete. Mm -hmm. His leg is twisted at a hideous angle behind him. Mm -hmm. Slowly, painfully, he lifts himself back up. But his face is still in the concrete beneath him. (laughs) (laughs) So the the crew rushes down to check on him. Wait, sorry. Is this like wet concrete or... No, it's dry concrete, but he's landed, like, face first. Okay. Like, cool. after, you know, he's fallen hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just checking. He's just smacked checking. himself hard. So the crew runs down to find Tom Cruise standing up, literally with just an exposed skull. Like, his entire face has been ripped off by mm-hmm. the force of the impact. Mm. And he's like, all right, I think we might need to do another take then. Everybody ready? And they're all, someone's like, uh, Mr. Cruise, I think you might need to see a doctor first. <laughs> And then he looks down, he sees his, like, his own face back in the concrete. He's like, oh, damn. Oh, so he's he just got eyes. His like... eyes have stayed in, but just all the skin on his face has just peeled off. Yeah, oh, so. brilliant. Eyes inside a skull looks so Yeah, hilarious. always always good. Yeah, yeah, always good. So they scrape his face out of the concrete. Mm-hmm. And a very traumatised makeup artist is brought in to um, basically stitch his face back on. <laughs> all right, great. Yeah. His physiotherapist attempts to put his leg back together. Yeah. And he's mostly kind of ready to go again. Cool. Yeah. 
So then we're going to have a montage of Tom Cruise doing all of the rest of the stunts in the Mission Impossible movie, all mm-hmm. the ones that we saw, while sustaining increasingly hideous injuries each time. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the helicopter climbing scene. He's going to fall off that, obviously. Mm. There's the big, long punch-up with Henry Cavill, you know, mm-hmm. why won't you die? All the scenes from the latest mm-hmm. Mission Impossible. Parachuting into Paris, you know. Yeah. All of them, they're all there. Meanwhile, the rest of the cast and crew are absolutely horrified. They have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but they're just kind of going along with it. I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of Simon Pegg at this point. Mm. A lot of him reacting to this, like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> like, yeah. clearly he's not taking any potions of magical youth. Look <laughs> at him. He looks terrible these days. <laughs> so he's just like, what the fuck? I think he could do good like reactions to this mayhem that's happening. Mm-hmm. So then we're going to cut to six months later, and Mission Impossible Fallout comes out to rave reviews. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is back on top. It's a huge moneymaker. All the reviews are good. And then we're going to have end credits with Tom Cruise kind of very stiffly walking down the red carpet. <laughs> just, you know, much like Marilyn Gold at the end of the film. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like every every limb has obviously just been like stitched back on. Yeah. And uh, there's clearly going to be stitch marks holding his broken and shattered body and his face all together. And he's going to be like waving very stiffly to the audience and you hear the creaking and <laughs> little bits of blood pouring out. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be the end of the film. Okay, great. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Has it got a title? Uh, I couldn't think of it. I just put... Death Becomes Tom Cruise. It's a bit lazy. And I put um, Death Becomes a Two Ghost Protocol. Not the best. but okay. I know it's not even the most recent Mission Impossible, but mm. it made more sense for Ghost, Zombie. Mm-hmm. It's the best it could come with. Okay, yeah, sure. No, good. I enjoyed okay. that. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, listener submissions? Sure. So, what's your drinking game this week? You could just do puns again. It's, it's always puns. Sure. Puns or Death Becomes Something. Yeah, Death Becomes Something or, or recasting choices, maybe. Hilling Isaac said Death Recomes Her. It's a pun, it's a play on words, I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. James Mason, our friend James Mason, Dr. James Mason, from Treasure Planet episode. I'm aware. Yeah. Well, our listeners might not know. <laughs> um, here's an original idea that Hollywood hasn't done enough of. A gender sensing sarcasm. Sarcasm, sarcasm <laughs> yeah. A gender-flipped version. Death becomes him, because there aren't enough men in leading roles these days. So, uh-huh. yep. Yeah. Which has kind of been, yeah, a few people have said that. Uh, Laura yeah, Oliver Aitchinson also had a gender-flipped idea. Death becomes him again. Mm. Uh, starring Channing Tatum. Hey! <laughs> And Michael B. Jordan okay. from Black Panther yeah. as Marilyn Gordy's characters. Uh, she couldn't think of anyone to play Bruce, though. A woman. A woman, yeah. Um, so Channing Tatum and Michael B. Jordan are going to be... Ryder. Sure. Oh, the age isn't quite right there. No, she's a bit older. Um, hmm. Anna Faris? She's silly. Um, I know you've gone off her after May, but... Yeah, she is silly. She'd be good. Yeah. You need someone who can like really chew the scenery. Yeah. Uh, Mike Carey said, "Death by comes her, a bisexual." Twist. Ah, okay. So maybe you know because they're so lonely and they, they can only get hang out with each other in the both being zombies. Maybe Marilyn Goldie, you know, strike up a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, got to do something to pass the hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're both still working vaginas then, or it's a good point. I don't know. They're probably quite dry. I'd imagine. Mm. Mm, don't know. Questions this film didn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Scott Hillman says so it's after the apocalypse hundreds of years in the future a couple of young scroungers you know survivors Mm. find a strange compound in the forested foothills of what was once Beverly Hills full of undead beauty queens and they find a strange head belonging to either Meryl or Goldie Mm -hmm. because I guess they just stayed as heads forever just like so they just found this strange head in the forest yeah so yeah Uh, Walt Williams life becomes him Okay, yes. A gender flip and a title flip. Wow. Two for the price of one. Double. I'll drink the ones for that. Then. All right, fine, yeah. But then Walt does say, okay, it sounds like I just came up with the title of the next low-budget Christian movie. So <laughs> it does sound quite Christian. That yeah. Uh, Stephen Jones says, 
When they find out what the main ingredient in the immortality really is, they decide to break bad and sell it. Meth becomes her. <laughs> Rochelle Williams said, Death becomes her too, still rotten. Yep, solid. Uh, David Jackson Perkins said, Too deaf to her. <laughs> Tom Brennan said, Death becomes her, but the, the S is a two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic. Spencer Cop said, Death becomes her, comma, two. T double O. Sam Reader says, Death becomes her where the two severed heads from the end of the movie are dropped into the jungle for some reason and must become lizard experts in order to survive. Okay, yeah. Great. Great. Uh, over to Twitter. False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod. Another variation of Death Becomes Him. But they've suggested a reboot, not a sequel. That's gender swapped, because that's mm-hmm. very in vogue right now. Starring Amy Schumer and a bargain bin version of Chris Pratt. Blokebusters, at Blokebusters, who also covered this movie on their own podcast, actually. I listened yeah. to their episode, it was good. Very funny. Death Became Her. Ooh. A prequel in which we meet Liesl, the Isabella Rossellini character, mm-hmm. as a young socialite being approached by a mysterious man who promises her eternal youth. She declines, citing how it's against nature. Mm-hmm. But as we see her grow older, more jaded and in a loveless marriage, she realises that she's made a mistake and finds the man and begs for the potion. He initially refuses, but when she describes how her life has been and how she wishes she could have had fun again, he smiles he decides to give her the potion on the condition that she takes over as the key distributor. Mm-hmm. She gleefully accepts and prepares to leave. We see her walk past a series of paintings of the man's family, with one painting turned around. The man walks up, reaches to turn it, but stops, smirks again, and follows her outside. We finally see that this whole story has taken place in pre-1900 America, and Lord Henry is announcing he's moving to England because he's heard about a gentleman there who he's dying to meet, and he leaves Lisa in his house, and she finally smiles. So I guess the idea is it's all set in like 300, 200 years ago. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's just showing how old Liesl is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like from yeah. the plantation era. Interesting, interesting. I like it. Mm-hmm. Admit One Movies, at Admit One Movies 2. Uh, Death Becomes Free Men. <laughs> Mary, the baby from the film Free Men and a Baby, mm-hmm. is all grown up. Have you seen Free Men and a Baby? No. no. She's all grown up and she's a screw up. Her mum Sylvia despairs and decides to resurrect Peter, Michael and Jack, who were the characters from that film after they perished in an unfortunate dragon boat accident. Cue much supernatural hijinks as the squabbling dads come to terms with their deaths, Mary's life, and dealing with her overly protective mum. Cue arguments about how they came to die and still age, the best way to help their daughter, and how dads too eventually let their little girls grow up. Okay. Okay, yeah. Films Remembered Badly, uh, Mm -hmm. Badly Remembered, Mm -hmm. said, Life Becomes Her, again. It's a road trip movie where the original cast return trying to find a multitude of different ways to adapt to eternal life. Kind of like Little Miss Sunshine, but with more broken bones. So yeah, I guess the Goldie and Merrill on a road trip, but dead. Mm. Could work. Mm -hmm. And finally, Sabrina the Teenage Watch, at Sabrina Watch, (laughs) which is a Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh, retrospective podcast. Great fun, recommended. This is called Death Becomes Her, Mummy Dearest. Sure. So Bruce Willis, it turns out, froze his sperm, and a young boy was born from it. The ladies get wind of this and want to kidnap him. So this is Meryl and Goldie, I guess. Mm-hmm. But with their skin falling off and it nearing Halloween, the only way they can get close is if they dress up as mummies. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Could be like, death becomes their meets hocus pocus. Yeah. Kind of. I like it. Yeah. And those are our listener submissions for this week. So thank you very much, guys. If you have any sequel ideas for Death Becomes It or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, Google Play. You name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, let us know and we'll try to get on it. Mm. 
You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Beyond the Box Set, or just search Beyond the Box Set. And you can also sponsor, become a VIP listener on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we have merchandise at tpublic.com. Harry, next week, what's happening? So next week, we have a special episode next week. Oh, goody. We have organised two guests. Two That's guests right. for the price Two of guests. So if any of you listeners have listened to our episodes, Black Swan and Garden State, you'll know we had two guests called Ollie and Louise, respectively. Mm-hmm. And they are both coming on to join us. Yeah. We're going to be doing a very, very special film. Uh, <laughs> have you watched it yet? I have. Oh, great. Which is called Burlesque. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting a long time. Since our very first episode, I've been waiting for the opportunity to do this Really? Film. But not this? Not, not Death Becomes Her? Well, this came first, obviously. Mm. It's, again, it's timing. So, uh, yeah, Burlesque, the uh, 90s... No, it's not from the 90s. It's is from, it, like, 2010. Not, oh, that, that's just something. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so the film starring Cher and Christina Aguilera. Um, it's uh, going to be a good one. Yes. I imagine. So what we're going to do is I'm going to team up with Ollie and John's going to team up with Louise and we're just going to come up with two ideas between the four of us. Yeah. Kind of what we do when we cross over with a podcast, but this time we're just crossing over with some friends. Yeah, basically. Mm. <laughs> friends and fans of the show. Yes. The people I would describe as the two noisiest people I know. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, I would agree. Enjoy editing that, John. <laughs> yes, that's going to be fun for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so please do tune in next week for Burlesque Yes. Should be a good one. Wagon wheel, what to see. (laughs) Anyway. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Do you remember where you parked the car?